God blesses me to be so great here because all the time I've been here, I've been talking about God, pushing God, pushing religion. I'm not talking about me, how great I am, how much money I got. I'm always giving the praise to God. Hi and welcome to the fifth episode of the Wisdom of Wow Performers podcast. This episode is of special importance to me because it is with my favorite person ever that has been on this earth, Muhammad Ali. In addition to being the inspiration for me and probably thousands of others to start boxing, he was a great showman, poet, magician, visionary, and even singer. The greatest indeed. I was going to meet Mohammed in March 2016 for the opening of the I Am The Greatest exhibition at the O2 in London, but unfortunately he didn't make it and passed away a few months later. This podcast episode is my way of living the dream of interviewing him and showing my respect and deep gratitude for such an outstanding and inspirational human being. My hope is that you can get a sense of what motivated and inspired him, what his vision was, of why he became so famous in his own words, and of just how much importance he placed on his faith in the Supreme Being. Enjoy! Hello, hello, Mohammed. How are you? It's a pleasure to have you here. I'm glad to be here. I'm getting old now. <laughs> really? No, I feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Just to start off, some of our listeners maybe don't know how great of a poet you are. So can you recite the poem, The Legend of Muhammad Ali, for us? Oh, you like that poem? That's when I was writing poems. This is the legend of Muhammad Ali, the prettiest fighter there ever will be. He talks a great deal, he brags indeed of a powerful punch and blinding speed. The fistic world was dull and wearied with a champ like Fulman, things had to be dreary. Now someone with color, someone with dash, he brings fight fans a running with cash. This brash young boxer is something to see and the heavyweight championship is his destiny. Ali fights great. He's got speed and endurance. If you sign to fight him, increase your insurance. Ali's got a left, Ali's got a right. If he hits you once, you'll sleep for the night. And as you lie on the floor while the ref counts ten, you better hope and pray you don't meet me again. For I'm the man this poem is about, the true champion of the world, there isn't a doubt. Once I predicted and I knew the score. I told them I'd be champ of the world in 64. When I say three, they go in the third. Don't bet against me, I'm a man of my word. Do you remember when I predicted Sonny Liston's dismemberment? I hit him so hard, he forgot where October and November went. <laughs> That's such an awesome poem. And it's almost like you knew that it's your destiny to become a boxer and to win the championship of the world three times. So, can you tell us, how did it all start? How did you decide to become a boxer? Well, at 12 years old, someone stole my bicycle. I went to a home show where the display cars and refrigerators and household utensils and everything. And I went there and left my bicycle outside and came out. It was a drizzling rain that night, Saturday evening, about 9 o'clock. The bicycle was gone. I just got it for Christmas. Somebody asked me, I asked one of those nurse police officer, And they said, in the basement, the same building that I just came out. And a fellow named Joe Martin was training amateur boxers. 
and um, he asked me to take out an application and learn how to fight so I can beat the fell up in joking fashion. He stole my bicycle. <laughs> well, that certainly became a viral joke. Now, now everyone knows you and everyone, so many people are inspired by you and by your movement, by your boxing style, by so many things that you do. So why do you think that is? Why, why you? Why did you become so famous? Mainly personality has got a lot to do with it. A, a personality, like a salesman's business, depends entirely on his personality. If he's rude and unsympathetic, and and then the buyer will hope that he goes away and never come back. But very often, if the salesman is good, he can make a person buy when they don't even intend to. Same with a doctor. He might be the uh, the best of doctors. He might have many patients and give them all the medicine he wants. But if his personality is not really right, then like... Uh, his medicine won't make him feel that good, his personality make him feel worse. But very often, a wise doctor can cure a person with word of mouth alone because they realize power of mind is needed. And a, doc a lawyer can dishearten a client on one visit if he don't have a personality of victory. Like Joe Frazier, for an example, he's the champion, they say. Number one, he don't have the personality. He can't talk. Very few boxers can get on this show and match wits with wise men like yourself. <laughs> Very few fighters, if you take the camera on close up, you see my nose and my face. I'm, I'm not ugly like most fighters. They have noses like that. How do you feel, champ? <laughs> and like I can, you know, I have a personality. I know how to talk to the wine heads. I have a talk for the uh, your great Mr. Lynch here in the Parliament House. And I knew how to talk to to um, men like you with less intelligence than myself. <laughs> right. So like I'm saying, it's personality that attracts. I mean, people of all religions, like in America, I stand up for black people, and regardless of what it costs me, I speak out for what I believe, like you got people in Ireland fighting for what they believe. I represent this. Also, the draft was something out of my religion teach against, and this made me popular with many people. Then you got the white races who believe in separation, such as I believe one day the black people in America must go to self, clean up self, help self, do for self. I recognize them. Then you got all the Muslims in Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Syria, Lebanon, India, all throughout Kuwait, uh, Abu Dhabi, all throughout Libya. They all recognize me because of the name Muhammad Ali. And yet all of this up, all I represent in my confidence. I am the greatest. I cannot lose. I'm pretty. And every man believes he's the greatest. Every man will like to be the greatest. Many want to say this, but they fear it. And they see this in myself and some hate me for it and some love me for it. So add it all up and we have a large crowd. <laughs> yeah, you're one of these guys who are either hated or loved. It's, uh, it's incredible. Can I ask you a question about the Islam religion and your faith? Because to me it seems that one of the most important turning points in your life was that change of name and religion from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali. So what made you make that change and are you as good a Muslim as you are a boxer? You know the word Muslim means one who submits entirely to the will of God. So I I don't know, I cannot be the judge on how much I submit entirely to the will of God. God himself can only judge us. So I can't say how good I am, and no true Muslim will brag or even will even take a chance on saying he's good or he's halfway good or not. It's up to Allah, God, to be the judge, see. So I'm not going to say one thing about uh, how good I am because I don't know. We never get good enough. I'm always striving to be right. And you asked me another question, why did I change? Because uh, I was raised a Baptist. And after touring the world, 
uh, I found out that there are 600 million Muslims on the planet. And all religions are good. I wrote something once. It says, rivers, lakes, and streams. They all have different names, but they all contain water. So does religions have different names, and they all contain God and the truth, only expressed in different ways, forms, and times. What Jesus taught was good. What Moses taught was right. What Buddha taught was right. What Krishna taught was right. What Isaiah, Lot, Noah, God has always sent prophets to different people at different times with messages for those people, and people have decided to choose those prophets as their leader. Some follow Krishna, some follow Buddha, some follow Mohammed, some follow Jesus, some follow whoever. But Moses, all of them are right. Jesus made a statement, I come not to destroy no law of the prophet but to fulfill. All of God's prophets are right. You got to believe in all of them. So, if the person follow Buddha and do what Buddha said, they'll see God and believe it. If a person follow Krishna and live what he preached, he'll be good. If a person follow Moses and live like Moses preached, if they follow Jesus, they follow Lot, any of the prophets. So I decided to take the Islamic path. The Christian path is a perfect religion if the people practice. You have two coats, give me one. I'm hungry, you feed me. Love your enemy. Pray for those who use you. Forgive. Give charity. Don't hate. Christianity is a perfect religion. It's the people who don't live the religion. The religion is good, but the people do things in the name of the religion. A lot of Muslims do things they shouldn't do. A lot of Protestants, a lot of Buddhists, a lot of Hindus live like they shouldn't live. But the religion itself, the religion is right, but the people who follow religion ain't so right. So I choose to follow the Islamic path because I've never saw so much love. I never saw so many people hugging each other, kissing each other, praying five times a day, the women in the long garments, the way they would eat. You can go to any country and say, Assalamu alaikum, alaikum assalam. You got a home, you got a brother. I chose the Islamic path because it connected me. As a Christian in America, I couldn't go to the white churches. Uh, as a Christian, uh, that was for those people. It did them good. It didn't do me good. Uh, I saw Jesus Christ. I saw a white man with blonde and blue eyes. I look at the Lord's Supper in Christianity. I see all white people. You are Asiatic girl. I see a man behind you is dark. All the pictures are of angels are white. Why come we never go to heaven? Why come the Mexican don't go to heaven and fly around? Why the Puerto Rican? Every all the angels happen to be white angels. I look at Peter was white. Mary was white. Paul was white. God's son Jesus was white. Uh, everything was white. Tarzan, the king of the jungles, he was white. And the angel food cake was made white, and the devil food cake was chocolate. And if I threaten you, I'm gonna blackmail you. Black was always bad in the Western world. Or the black cat was the bad luck. Or if you get put out of a fraternity group, you get blackballed. Or black was always bad. So the only thing that made me feel good, the only thing that made me feel free, that connected me with Saudi Arabia, the Islamic religion connected me with Pakistan, Morocco, Syria. I sat down with Colonel Gaddafi, had dinner in his palace, stayed overnight because I'm a Muslim. As a Christian, I never could sit with Christian leaders. As a Muslim, I sat with Sadat, I sat with President Nasser, um, uh, Marcos of the Philippines, Ayukhan of Pakistan before he died. I've been sitting with kings of uh, Sheikh Zayed of Abu Dhabi.
kings and people of these nations have welcomed me as a brother and I'm a citizen and now in America I'm respected by all colors and throughout the world as a Muslim. See the name Mohammed is the most common name in the world. There are more Mohammeds on the planet. There are four billion people on earth and every third person is a Muslim. So for me, I'm not condemning no other religion, but for me, being a world figure, John taking the name Muhammad Ali, which is the name of my people for the brother of America, accepting the Islamic religion, it was better for me. Where another person, Shintoism, Buddhism, uh, 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 Christianity, Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, that might fit another man. But you can choose any religion you want. If you believe it, you'll see God because all of them are good. So I chose the Islamic religion. That's why I chose it. You asked me some pretty tough questions, but didn't I make a lot of sense? I didn't make the Christians hate me. I didn't make the Protestants hate me. I didn't make the Catholics hate me. I told you the truth. I said all of them are good if they live it. It's just the people who don't live it. So I chose the Islamic path. That's a, religion is a touchy thing. Some people, you sound a Muslim, don't want to hear you. Some people, you sound a Protestant, pow, pow. You sound a Catholic, pow, pow. All of them are right. All of them are from God. All of them are good and teach good. It's just the people in the titles that make you prejudiced. But all of them got the same. It says one God, but there are many roads to that God. You understand? This is the power of this. You see me do this, you call me the greatest. That's because I'm more religious than I am physical, and I study a lot. And you may be surprised if you hear me talk because you never heard me talk this way. But I know about, I got about 45 lectures that I memorized in my ministry. And I can tell you something about all the religious books, all the religions, because I strong believe in God and humanity. That's why I'm having these boys. That's why God blesses me to be so great here. Because all the time I've been here, I've been talking about God, pushing God, pushing religion. I'm not talking about me, how great I am, how much money I got. I'm always giving the praise to God. So that's why I'm as great as I am in this physical world, because I push him first. Wow, I love that. More religious than physical. Amazing. And it can be seen, you know, not only when you perform on shows like this one, but also in your fights. You just have that presence, that spontaneity, that flow, that technique about you that is so unique. And I love watching your fights, but also I love watching how you build them up. You predict the rounds. You make fun of the opponents. You make a lot of noise around each fight. So I wanted to know, why do you do that? See, in America, the black people were always taught to be humble. You know, yes, boss. I see. I'm sorry. Hey, Barbara. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. And never has a slave got up and said, I am the greatest. I'm beautiful. I'm pretty. I cannot lose. They said, that nigga talks too much. Nigga needs a good whooping, and they pay money to see me beat. And I go to the bank laughing, 100,000, 200,000. I am the greatest. That nigga talks, he's cocky. <laughs> so, like, uh, this is uh, why I build up. I see people like you watching, but mainly in America. And they were looking and building it up to be a race war. I said, you don't stand a chance. I'm gonna run you out of the ring. And people in Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, whoop that nigger! He talks too damn much! Hey, let's go see this fight! I don't really hate nobody, but people are so small-minded, it's easy to lead them. You know, you ever see the wrestlers? There's always a good wrestler and a bad one. Ah, and he sticks his finger in his eye, 
and this guy shakes it off in two minutes, his eyes clear up, and he sticks it in again, and he hits his back, and everybody hate him. He'll win the first round. And then the second round, the good fella wins, and that's what everybody come to see, though. Bad villain be beat up. I like to be the villain. <laughs> but the things I'm telling you now won't tell in America on television because they'll start liking me. They'll say, oh, he's just tricking us. But when I get back to America, I'll be bad. <laughs> and you are a bad man. What do you actually say during the fights? Because when I watch the videos, I, I can always see you talk to your opponent in the clinch or just like before the fight starts. So what's a conversation between you and another boxer like? I probably says, I'm the greatest fighter of all times. I'm too pretty, sucker. You don't stand a chance tonight. If you think you can get me, come on. Just keep talking all that stuff. Keep talking. I'm going to soon get you in a few minutes. Come on, sucker. I don't care if you take 20 years, you'll never get me. I'm the greatest of all times. I'm greater than you. And I'm prettier than you. Look how ugly you are. You slick head shining. Look at my... You're too ugly. Ugly nothing, sucker. When I'm through with you, you're going to be uglier than me. I'm so all nigga. You crazy. What you mean? <laughs> Sounds about right. What about that fight with Terrell? Some call it the bloodiest fight in history and you kept hitting him so hard because he didn't want to say your name. Can you tell us a bit more about that particular fight? When I fought Aaron Terrell, I was just talking. He wouldn't call me my name. When I turned Islamic, I gave up the name of Cassius Clay for Muhammad Ali. Clay was the name they give us in slavery. We belong to Mr. Clay, they name us after Clay. If we're sold to Mr. Smith, then my name was Smith. If they sold me to Mr. Washington, my name was Washington. These are names which identified us as property of certain masters. But today we're free. Today slavery is over. So now that I'm free, I go back into the names of my people, people in Asia and Africa. So he wouldn't call me that. He says, you're Cassius Clay. I'm not calling you Muhammad Ali. And you're going to stay Cassius Clay. I said, you're going to call me Muhammad Ali, sucker. And during the fight, I kept saying, what's my name? And then I tell you, you're going to call me my name. I said, what's my name? He said, Cassius Clay. Your name is Cassius Clay. I kept hitting him. I said, what's my name? He kept saying, Cassius Clay. And by round seven, I said, what's my name? He said, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> that fight definitely shows no one should mess with you. <laughs> One man once said that you preach against materialism, yet you have so many big homes and many cars and lots of riches. So why is that? Is there a kind of contradiction here? I don't preach against material things. I teach our people and our religion that heaven is on earth. Hell is not underground. Hell is on earth. Heaven is a good condition on earth. This is what we preach. I don't preach against material things. And another reason I have material things, not because I want them, not because I see a watch today I want to buy in the uh, Hilton Hotel. Watch costs $6,000. I'm getting a watch for a reason. I have my Rolls Royces for a reason. I have the things I buy for a reason. I buy pretty cars because all of the educated people we're trying to convert to the Islamic faith. The thing is, you all don't have nothing. Elijah Muhammad Ali used to have a little old house, a real house, trying to be humble, and all the Negro preachers of Christianity will say to their followers, how can Elijah Muhammad be from God? He lives in a shack. Shouldn't God be able to bless him with a nice home? He wanted to be humble. He could have had a big home. He drove a little old car in his younger days trying to be humble. But they think you don't have nothing. People don't respect you when you look like you don't have no money. So I got to buy diamonds. I got to be the heavyweight champion. I got to have a Rolls Royce. So when I pull up to that other black man with a Rolls Royce, hey, my brother, come on down to the Muslim temple today. 
Oh, hey, that was a pretty car. Mm, where that watch come from? Oh, my man. Come on over. And they listen. You got to have something. Most people will join a church. You get a Catholic church, any kind of church, and build a church and put gold seats in it, put diamond carved speakers on the wall, put carpet in that church, and watch how many followers you will have in your church. Let another man preach a better word of God, let him have a little house with a storefront, and he won't hardly have no followers. People are in this world, we love wealth. They respect people with money. So I have to buy these things, line them up. I'm fixing up a home in Chicago, English-style house, 14 bedrooms, 60 years old. It will cost a million dollars a bill. I paid $100 for it. I'm putting all new furniture from Beirut, Lebanon. It's going to be a plus-plus house. I'm never at home. But when I invite people over to talk to me, and they ding, punch the bell, thong, thong, dong, dong, dong. And my chauffeur come the door. Oh, yes, uh, Mr. Ali, be out in 20 minutes. I have to set upstairs for 30 minutes and make him wait so he'll appreciate me. I don't run right to the door and answer him. You go to meet Queen of England, I bet you. You don't walk right in and meet the Queen. You sit there for a while and they take you to this room and you sit there. For... Queen's probably sitting there watching the news. <laughs> but make you wait. Make you think about what you're going to do. You go meet a president of a country. You don't go meet the country. They show you what he's building. They let you see what he's doing. And then when you meet the president, you realize who he is. So I'm trying to wake up my people and help them. So I have to have these things. Otherwise, I'm broke. Now, that's why you see these cars and stuff. Hmm, makes a lot of sense, yeah. And it's funny because in your life, you've had stages where you've lost your title. You've lost a lot of your money and your wealth. In particular, I'm thinking about the time when you refused to go to the war in Vietnam. Do you have any regrets about that? No. Like when a man goes to war, he don't consider losing nothing. He's fighting for his country, what he believes. And we don't have no regrets if it's something we do from my heart and we want to do. Like, I didn't have to do it. It's something I wanted to do, so I don't regret it. And I'm really thankful that I did. I more got strong because of it. And uh, many people believe in fighting for the freedom, and this is just part of what I believed. So it's nothing that I regret, not at all. If I regret it, then it wasn't sincere. I, mean, I haven't really lost nothing. I'm, I'm back in boxing bigger than ever. My salary is double. I'm invited to Peking, Red China. I'm the first one since Nixon from America. Open invitation, waiting what I want to go. I've been through all out of Arabia and Africa, met all the kings of the countries. And the peace, the world wants peace, and I represented it and at a time when it wasn't too popular in America, and that is common. And like, uh, I'm not really, I don't pay no attention. And regardless to like, many people are doing what I did, and they went to jail for it, and you don't read about them. At least I was a case that the world watched. And if I had went to prison, I would have been a famous celebrity. Uh, the, I would have gotten fan mail, I'd got credit for my stand. But what about the people who nobody knows and they're doing it? So I look at them as being more, more great, I would say, than I am. And uh, when the Supreme Court finally decided that you were right, you didn't show any resentment towards the man that kept you out of boxing for all these years. Then I would be a hypocrite if I did because I expected them to recognize me for what I believe. And they did what they thought was right at the time they took my title. At the time they wouldn't let me box nowhere in the country. They just did what they thought was right. And for me to now to sue them or to condemn them or to speak out against them for doing what they thought was right, then this would be hypocritical. And at the same time, I expected them, although they didn't, 
to recognize me for what I believe. So how can I get on them for doing what they really believe was right? Hmm, I see. Makes sense. And I love how strong of a sense of justice and righteousness you have in you. I wonder, what advice would you give to a young boxer? Uh, the advice I would give a young boxer is not to try to make it his profession. Use his brains, his mind, take advantage of his youth and learn because young people learn much quicker than old people. Go to school, get education, take up a trade, go to college. See, everybody was born for purpose. Trees have a purpose. Everything God created has a purpose. The moon has a purpose, I tell children. The rain, snow, cats, dogs, everything you can think of was put here for purpose. And most surely, human beings have a purpose too. And the wise man is he who knows his life purpose. Ten people with the knowledge of the purpose are more powerful than a thousand without the purpose. So I would tell the child to find out what it is they want to be, whether a doctor, a lawyer, a school teacher, a jet plane pilot, a mechanic, a carpenter. Try to do something where your mind would depend on if you make it or not. Because your body could get sick, you could get a broken leg, or his health could be bad, or he probably don't, he might not make it enough to, and then once he find out that he can't be a fighter, life becomes a tragedy, and it's too late to presume some type of trade. So while they're young, I wouldn't tell no young man to try to make boxing a profession, because the odds are there might be one Muhammad Ali every 200 years. I want to say something right here. You all might, this might make you all think. Life is not really long. Let's say the average person 30 years old. If you're 30 years old, you are not but about seven years old. How can I prove it? Add up all the seven, eight, nine hours you slept for 30 years. Out of 30 years, add up all the nights, last night when you went to bed and woke up this morning, you don't remember a thing. You've been unconscious for about eight years. If you're 30 years old, you slept about eight years. Okay. How much traveling have you done in 30 years? From the television station to home, to another country, to another city, to school, to church. You've probably traveled two years your life or spent just getting back and forth to where you're going. So there's eight years of sleeping, two years of traveling. That's 30 years out of your life before you accomplish anything. How long do you sit in school? In America, we stay in school from the 12th grade to, from the first grade to 12th grade. Same here? Yeah, virtually. Six hours a day? Yeah. Six hours a day for 12 years, break it down. You sit in a classroom for three years without leaving. Okay, two years of traveling, eight years of sleeping, three years of school. How many movies have you went to? How many wrestling matches? How much entertainment? How many movies, theaters, live plays? baseball games, probably two years of entertainment. So by the time a man, you older people know him, bear witness what I'm saying, by the time you have children, by the time you have uh, made a way for your children, by the time you've paid for your home, you're pushing 60 years old. So life is real short. So you add up all your traveling, add up all your sleeping, add up all your school, add up all your entertainment, you've probably been half your life doing nothing. So what am I, I'll, I'm 35 years old, 30 more years, I'll be 65. We don't have no more influence. We can't do nothing much at 65. Your wife will tell you that. When you're 65, when you're 65, ain't too much more to do. So 
did you know I'll be 65 in 30 more years? In those 30 years, I have to sleep nine years. I don't have 30 years of daylight. I have to travel back to America, take six, seven miles. All my traveling, probably four years of traveling in the next 30 years, about nine years of sleeping, television, movies, entertainment, about three years of entertainment. Out of 30 years, I might have about 16 years to be productive. So it's how we can all break individual lives down. What am I going to do in the next 16 years? What's the best thing I can do? Get ready to meet God. Owning real estate, going in business, teaching boxers, that won't get me to heaven. How many here believe there's a supreme being, believe there's a God? How many believe there's some power that made the sun, the moon, the stars? How many believe that this stuff didn't just come out here, somebody wiser than us made it? How many believe there's a God? You who don't believe in God, if I told you that this glass sprang into existence, this glass made itself, no man made this glass, would you believe it? Would you believe I just told you this thing made itself? If I turned on this television station, it's popped into existence. It just, no man made it. You said Muhammad Ali's crazy. All right. Well, if this glass can't make itself, if I told you those clothes you have on, wove themselves. Nobody created them. Those clothes made themselves. You wouldn't believe it. But if your, if your clothes didn't make itself, if that glass couldn't make itself, if this building didn't make itself, then how did the moon get out there? How did the stars and Jupiter, Neptune and Mars and the sun, how did nature, how, how did all this come here if didn't know why is something planning to make it? So what I'm saying is I believe that we're going to be judged. Should a man like Hitler kill all the Jews and get away with it? Somebody should punish him. Maybe he get it. Don't get it now. He get it when he die. In hell for eternity. So, what I'm gonna do when I get out of boxing is to get myself ready to meet God because my plane might blow up. Don't planes blow up in this country sometime and crash? Don't people die every day? It's a scary thing to think that I'm going to hell to burn eternally forever. When I get out of boxing or when I'm through, I'm gonna do all I can to help people. That's why I'm here with Johnny Walker. Here's a poor man came all the way to America. Here's a bunch of boys need some money, and somebody is calling me to help them. God is watching me. God is God. Don't praise me because I beat Joe Frazier. God don't give nothing about Joe Frazier. God don't care nothing about England or America as far as your wealth is all his. He wants to know how do we treat each other, how do we help each other. So. I'm going to dedicate my life to using my name and popularity, helping charities, helping people, uniting people, bring, people bumming each other because of religious beliefs. We need somebody in the world to help make peace. So when I die, if there's a heaven, I want to see it. Because we live how long? 80 years? The odds are everybody in this room, some of you are going to be dead 20 years from now, some of you are going to be dead 50 years from now. Some are going to be dead 30, some are going to be dead 60, 70 years now. We are going to die soon. And if you live to be, say, 125 years old, which we don't do, right? Let's say we live to be 250, and you can have sex for 145 of those years. You're going to come to the end after that. So we don't have it about 80 years on earth. This is a test to see where will we spend our life in heaven and hell. This is not the life now. Your real self is inside you. Your body gets old. Some of you go to look at the fridge, look old. You don't have no teeth. Your hair is leaving you. Your bodies get tired. But your soul and your spirit never die. That's going to live forever. So your body is just housing your soul and spirit. 
So God is testing us on how we treat each other, how we live, to see where our real home be in heaven. So this physical stuff don't last for so long. So my car, this building is going to be here when the man who built it dead. There have been many kings and queens of England. They're all dead. After this one is gone, another one will come. So we don't stay here. We're just trustees. We don't own nothing. Even your children are not yours, if you think I'm lying. Your wife is not yours. You die and come back a year later and go slip in your bedroom and see if your wife is by herself. See, you don't own your wife. You don't own your, I divorced my wife. You may have read about it. And my four children, they call another man daddy now. They don't see me no more. You don't own your children. You don't own your family. So what am I saying? The most important thing about life is what's going to happen when you die. Are you going to go to heaven or hell? And that's eternity. How long is eternity? Let's imagine. Take the Sahara Desert. There's a lot of sand on the Sahara Desert, right? Then take, imagine that one grain of sand represents a thousand years. And when you're in hell burning, when you die and go to hell, you're going to burn forever and ever and ever. No end. How long is that? Give you an idea how long eternity is. Take the Sahara Desert, and I told you to wait a thousand years. And every thousand years, I want you to pick up a grain of sand until the desert is empty. Okay, wait a thousand years, pick up the first grain. Wait another thousand years before you get the next grain. Keep that up until there's no more sand in the desert. Whew. You know how long just a, I mean, America's now but 200 years old. We got 800 more years to go before a thousand. So it just scares me to think that I'm going to die one day and go to hell. I'm on an airplane that might blow up. I'm always traveling. And to go to hell and God is going to judge my soul. The police, I might kill people. I might rob people. The authorities might not catch me. The FBI, Scotland Yard might not catch me. But when I die, somebody's watching me and keeping count. And I can't get away. And I'm going to burn forever and ever and ever. I'll go to heaven. So what am I going to do when I'm through fighting? I only have 16 years to be productive, get myself ready to meet God and go to the best place. Don't that make sense? It does make a lot of sense. And it really makes me think about what do I want to do with the time that I have left. Thank you. Apart from the fear of hell and burning internally there, do you have any other fears? You're always so close to all the people. You do magic shows. You play with kids a lot. You are always in public. Aren't you afraid that someone might not like your messages? That someone might even want to kill you? I wrote a poem. Better far from all I see to die fighting to be free. What more fitting end could be? Better that I say my sooth. I rather die demanding truth while I'm still akin to youth. Better now than made own, now that fear of death is gone, never mind another dawn. If I get shot, or something happened to me, it has to be because somebody don't like me for what I believe and represent the thing, and I'll die for them. And let me tell you, if somebody want to get you, see, in the Holy Quran, the Islamic Bible, it says, not one soul comes on earth without the permission of our Lord God, not one soul leaves without the permission. When you die, it's time. So. I don't believe that it's time for me to die in that way. If it is, then I welcome it. Because if you're the president and somebody really wanted you, I don't care how much you had security, if somebody would give their life for you, they'd come up and say, give me your autograph. And just take, take me, don't care. 
So when a person don't care if his life, you dead. So how can I worry about all the people in the world, all the countries who want who want me? I don't want to know. If it happens, it happens. It's God's will. So you don't have any bodyguards? I got one bodyguard. He has no eyes, though he sees. He has no ears, though he hears. He remembers everything with the aid of mind and memory. When he wishes to create a thing, he just orders it to be and it comes into existence. But this order is not conveyed in words which takes a tongue to formulate or a sound carries ears. He hears the secrets of those on the quiet thoughts. He stops those whom, who's that? That's God, Allah. He's my bodyguard. He's your bodyguard. He's the supreme. Hmm, I love that. And let's finish with one last question. Mohammed, how would you like to be remembered by the people? When you're gone. I like for them to say he took a few cups of love. He took one tablespoon of patience, one tablespoon teaspoon of generosity, one pint of kindness. He took one quart of laughter, one pinch of concern, and then he mixed willingness with happiness. He added lots of faith and he stirred it up well. Then he spread it over a span of a lifetime and he served it to each and every deserving person he met. Wow, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Now that is a real recipe for how we should all live our lives. Here are some of the things I learned from this episode. Having a great personality plays a key role in whatever it is that you're doing because it makes people empathize with you and listen to you. Having a strong vision, backed by faith and driven by passionate action, cannot but lead to success. Material possessions should only serve as a bait to help people transcend them. Our time on earth is limited, we all come here for a reason, and we will die when our time comes no matter how much we prepare ourselves against death. I learned all this and much much more from this one man. Thank you all for listening. See you again next time. Rest in peace, Muhammad Ali.